1: We are back with another episode of the Running Rugby podcast. Archie, Toby, and Leo, all of us here with you this episode. And we have a couple of games to recap from the Northern Tour, this first round outside, obviously, that normal test window with New Zealand, Australia, and as well as the Women's World Cup, which is nearing its final um, rounds there with the quarterfinals on the weekend progressing to semis this weekend as well. But we'll start with the Wallabies um murray field scotland has been our bogey team um but we got home in the end only by one point 16 points to 15 and it wasn't without a little bit of luck um kinghorn their fly half missing a penalty in the final minute that would have put them in front in a very kickable position to be honest um but australia squeak out with the win here
2: yeah, finally the the luck falls our way. He missed uh he missed a conversion earlier as well. Um, it's pretty much the same type of miss. Just sort of brought it around slightly left, and um he he sort of came in with a pretty reasonable um kicking pedigree, didn't he? I mm-hmm. thought it was one of the sort of um sort of positives supporting his selection. So um probably probably doesn't help him for the rest of this little part of their. Um, test window, we've got Stuart Hogg and um and Russell floating around and lots of questions about 10 and 15 and will he be able to make his way back in, maybe will he hold his spot, Um, yeah that's not going to help but it was great for the Wallabies Is sort of one we needed a bit of luck I was talking about a couple of times in that game where we got a little bit lucky, the, the kick for touch that split the two Scottish uh, wingers and fullback and, and no one really pounced on it they just sort of let it go let it go out even though it wasn't going to be um, out on the full so things like that but then we also had a share of adversity with that what was again we'll go over the card situation just somehow mitigating a a direct forceful contact to the head down to a yellow because it was bicep not shoulder that's a new one for me
0: yeah and I think this game just generally six versus nine in the world probably probably tells me there's not a huge amount between those sort of rankings there um, both teams had their opportunities weren't necessarily that clinical um, but we're creating some good opportunities some good defending excellent rock work I think from Scotland to spoil a lot of our ball Wallabies I think perhaps you know they've had a whole season to work on some of the combinations and Scotland, uh, obviously, this is the, the start of their season, really. So I think overall the Wallabies probably looked a little bit more dangerous with ball in hand, and I think they probably let's, left some points out there. But, you know, it's a good start, a win that we really needed. I think Rennie, he's been really struggling this year to to get those wins on the board. I think it'll be a confidence booster. I'm not, I'm not sure that we actually deserve to win the game, but we'll take it and we'll move forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. I didn't come out of that feeling like we deserved to win, especially, look, you're right, we looked all right at the start of the game. We had ball in hands, but then we didn't sort of convert there and you saw um, Scotland get their hands on the ball and score that first early try and they looked like they were running circles around us there. Um, Leo, you brought up the card, um, yellow card, to uh, Glenn Young, the replacement lock, um, for the head-high contact on... um, Tate McDermott, yeah. And, yeah, you mentioned sort of um, the ref Pierce's interpretation of that, that it wasn't shoulder, it was bicep, hence changing the degree of danger, Um, which was almost sort of almost comedic when you looked at what um, happened in the All Blacks Japan game um, the day before, only literally less than 12 hours before. Um, with Brody Retallick copying a red card for a very similar incident um, with coming sort of at force and making sort of direct conduct look very similar. Um, I mean, overall, I think Luke Pierce, the ref, I'm pretty happy with him. I think he had a good game. I like how he referees the game, but it's just because there's just no way of predicting one way or another how these refs are going to interpret these things from um one game to another which i think makes it hard for fans makes it hard for players um where it could either be a red card and completely influence the game or it could be a yellow in some cases sometimes it's nothing and it's a penalty um so as we saw with the query intentional knockdown from the from australia later in this game there i thought it was going to be a yellow card and then it was just a penalty
2: so yeah that's because it's seems to be reft. Maybe it's a bit different up in the northern hemisphere. It's like it can cut both ways. Remembering we're back into the situation of red cards are red cards all game. That's that's that player gone and the man down. So um massive chance of um that that decision having a huge impact on the game because what, what happened in the guy um coming through, clearing Tate out directly like um. arm, arm and just off shoulder directly to his head bailed him back made no attempt to slow down made no attempt to get underneath him made no attempt to take tate's arms and and then make that initial contact safe like all the things that a player coming into the ruck is obligated to do none of that's why it should not have been mitigated down it makes no sense but put that on an australian lock in the first half and suddenly you know that if if that's not given, what well, you think card, that would have been Colin an Australian?
1: Saying? You think it would have been no, a no, red no. if it was an Australian?
2: Or oh. no, no, no. If I mean, if, if he's consistent, it wouldn't have been. But yeah. think about the way Scotland would have reacted if Australia had done that to one of their yeah. guys in the first exactly. half, um, and they mitigated it down. It's like it makes no sense. It it's it's just frustrating to watch. Mm. Um, and obviously, it depends on who did to whom. Um, I'm I'm pretty like. I guess if you're Scotland, you're going. Oh, got away with one there somehow. But I I, I feel uh, guilty when it's us and and we get away. With you, like that's just not. It's the it's been misinterpreted. Um, the the uh, knockdown, which was, I mean, of all of all the attempted intercepts we've seen recently, I mean, this was the best one. Hand going up. Um, they the commentary team or the 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 referees were saying, "Oh, he's got no real." chance to re- regather that i mean he was within a foot wasn't he like when he dived and he almost yeah. got there like he didn't make any contact with the ball on the second attempt but he was so close um, i'm really glad that was only a penalty and that's the sort of one where i think you know if he would got any touch on it it probably would have been a knock-on if he's that close it's a penalty if it's a hand coming down and just killing a pass sure go to a card and obviously, if it's right at the try line and there's no one covering defense, then it's a penalty try. I don't have any issue with that because it's just killing killing an opportunity. So I, I thought that one was reffed correctly. And maybe that's just a reflection on that it's gone too far down here in our super rugby and rugby championship competitions. They, they're too quick to kill off any of those attempts when they can really spark a game each way if they come off.
1: I have a couple of questions for you guys. Obviously, we saw the return of Michael Hooper here um, starting at seven, which we didn't anticipate, but he was named there with Pete Samu on the bench who unfortunately tweaked his back um, just prior to, in the lead up to this game, um, which allowed Lange Gleason to make his debut off the bench. But Samu may be back next week. What do we think about Hooper's return? Um, Didn't really look like he missed a beat from what I could see. Um, Still seemed just as... Every bit of sort of energized the bunny he just kept going and going.
0: Yeah, I thought he was excellent, really physical in his tackles. Um, didn't look like he was lacking any sort of match fitness, which was surprising. And, you know, coming into this game, I thought he'd appear off the bench. Obviously, what happened with Pete Samu? It may have been the same result. He would have been promoted from the bench into the starting lineup if Samu had been named there. But yeah. Interesting that they went straight back to him. It probably shows in training that he's really been tearing it up for the last couple of weeks. And obviously, Hoops is just, he's a professional, like he would have been keeping himself in good nick individually during his time off. I thought he was great. And I think, again, we always talk about the experience. The commentators were discussing it during the game. I think it does help having those sort of really seasoned professionals in there, you got James Slipper, you got Hoops, you got Nick White around the traps. I think having those key pieces around, I think does keep things calm um, with a lot of these young guys that have been injected pretty quickly into the team. So very happy to have him back. And I think um, it's really going to help us with these last four games of the year.
2: You get the feel he's somewhat of a talismanic player for that group. Yeah. Um to bring Hooper back in. I think that if the feel of the group had been really eager to get him back in, I think that's probably helped. I think it's a bit, I'm, I'm still surprised he came in mm. inverted commas cold, um, given, given the group we had. Uh, and he was named before the Pete Samu uh, injury issue. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was clear that that was always the plan, but um, yeah, I guess, I mean, that's a supporting um, factor f- that the group um, see him as belonging there uh, and, and, that they wanted him straight back in and he, and he performed like he was again, he was normal Hooper everywhere. Busy Um would have liked to see the, the pilfering, but you know, back, back to, back to where he was, it doesn't look like he's missed a step and he, he played, played out the game, didn't
1: he? Yeah, he did. Um, That does raise one concern though. Do we have too many captains on the field? We've had problems with, Chatty um players back chatting the ref and even the even the ref sort of came out and said, mate, there's too many captains here. Like yeah, because he had multiple people coming up to him at all times, including Hooper.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because Hooper was the one over this ruck, hands up, screaming at the ref. And then afterwards he goes up to Valentini's like, mate, you've got to be quiet, you've got to stop talking to me. And he's like, I didn't do anything, I didn't say anything.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Valentini looked very confused then.
0: He's like, mate, and I looked at the replay, he was on the ground, like had his back to the referee, like had had no chat whatsoever. But it just shows, I think, Hoops, he still is almost treated like that captain figure with the referee. You see the referee actually chatting to him and he gives him a bit more leeway. But I think probably Hoops needs to step back a bit from that Um, if he's not going to go back to being the captain. I think it is dangerous. Nick White's probably the, the biggest culprit. Of all this, he, he just consistently is talking to referees. Well, I mean, um, even whether Kellaway
1: be... was getting in on the action year, yeah, though as well. It seemed like it was fairly reasonable just talking to the touching via like the, the law of the letter or the law of the
0: law.
2: Yeah. It's it's hard because the if you're a ref that engages the player you've just disciplined or penalized and offer an explanation, then I mean you're initiating that conversation and I mean, sure, it's supposed to be fairly one way, but the guy, you know, if you're if you're trying to tell him what he did wrong, and he sort of goes for clarification, like oh, but this or that, and then you know, then you're immediately in a conversation, and then you can say, you know, if they're trying to ask exactly, you know, for more detail, all of a sudden it's hang on, you know, too many captains, too many people talking to me. Well, you know, you some refs don't do that. Some refs just go offside, hands in the ruck, not rolling, blah blah blah, and just wave the guys away. So what do you prefer? Like I don't mind a ref that explains himself. I think Angus garden is a ref like that, like tends to go and you know, really le- not lecture, but you know, you know really um, co- almost coach, almost coach players. Like, you know, this is what you're doing wrong. You need to deal with this. Yeah. And that's not really his job. Like he just needs to keep the game moving. Anyone who's in favor of keeping the rugby, you know, speedy and up, up pace is not going to like that because it drags, drags on. But does it does it help the players tune what they're doing to result in field penalties? Don't know, no data, head, yeah. but 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 that's I guess what they're going for. So um, the Australians that they went in this game, Slipper, who was the actual captain, was pretty much saying, "Look, all I really want out of this game is to see a, a disciplined team." There was a quote saying like that before the game. Mm. Um, he just wanted to see guys, um, you know, sticking to their individual uh, responsibilities. Not giving away dumb penalties, and with that, you know the the attitude and the um, I suppose the interaction with the refs sort of falls under that. The discipline not to back chat. We got March ten meters at one point. Yeah. um, You know, usual suspects sort of stuff. Um, We've got we've got a lot of chatty people. Someone's definitely got to rein them in. So I guess that I'm sure that'll come up because the last thing we want to do is trigger Yako Piper this weekend against France, right?
1: And I mean, we had 15 penalties total in this game, which is less than we've sort of been copying in the rugby championship, but it's probably still the ceiling of where you want to be in terms of total penalties in a game. You'd much prefer to be in that sort of 10 to 12 level. Um, Only biggest probably selection surprise from our point of view, I think was probably Tate McDermott getting the starting nine Jersey here. Um, Boys, what did you think? He had a few, like, electric moments early on, but then seemed to have a bit of difficulty getting clean ball sort of out of the ruck and into Foley's hands at times. Um, this was partly, I think, because Scotland were, were playing menace at, at many of the rucks, whether that he wasn't getting enough support from his forwards or whether he just wasn't managing to cope with that extra pressure. What do we think and do we give him another chance?
2: I think he had a pretty think- good game like for the, for the minutes he was on, but everyone was pressured at the ruck. But like that was our, that on, on my list of things that we weren't good at, the, the breakdown was the area that requires the most improvement because Scotland were committing an extra man. They were very physical. They were contesting long after the ball had been secured and, and pressuring even guys sort of coming around the side, almost kind of giving, giving Tate a bit half a grab and a shove some of the time just to really stay up in his face. Um, and when we didn't sort of rally and change what we were doing to to give him cleaner ball, um, what you get out of him with the snipes, and he's he's definitely got the nose for those types of moves more so than like Jake used to do it. Nick White has done it, but they've kind of put that in the bag for now. They do a lot more box kicking. Um, all his set piece stuff was pretty tidy. The passing was mostly good. Um, there was one pretty shocking sequence of passes from from him to foley and and out the back that, that resulted in, in the, the second try. scottish try um yeah. that that was just like first phase set piece um falling apart off the passes like that was pretty bad but i thought beyond that it was it was pretty tidy and we had guys hitting the ball well putting it on the chest
0: yeah surely he deserves another opportunity if he's fit i i really do like the look of nick white playing alongside Bernard Foley and that sort of back line. Um, But there are questions, I guess, is, you know, is Nick White a better impact player to bring on with 20, 30 minutes to go with that poise, with that real experience? Um, I think possibly similar to Taniella and some other players of that vein that, you know, do you like getting them to really get an uptick um, of tempo in the game late? Sometimes I think Nick White, he has lost his edge a little bit when he started and played through the game. Jake Gordon, I think, yeah, I think I'd prefer Tate at this point in time. I think Jake had a few opportunities there and and didn't quite take those. I think Tate has real potential and he does need time um, in this setup because he really hasn't played much footy internationally this year. And you know, his passing has always been, Something he need, he's needed to work on. Um, he saw a few passes go behind players in this game, but I think again, he'll be better for the run as long as his head's all right. Um, I think give him another chance, and um, particularly against France, where I think his running game could really be a threat against um, some of those bigger back roles the French have.
1: The- Speaking of France, you talk about Tate's involvement, and we sort of got a bit of a guarantee that Skelton is probably going to get the start going forward. What do you guys think about that? Considering we had a pretty good sort of um, yeah. hit out from Frost especially and Neville, these guys seem to be combining pretty well with all the way in the line out. Yes, and that was exactly
2: – that was I the know. biggest bit I was going to mention was that, that Frost, those Frost three – almost um undefeated at the line out weren't they aside from an errant throw when flower finger first big came long. on yeah it's pretty good and they were, were still much
1: improved wasn't it yeah
2: yeah so that was a really good combination you got a lot of tall timber in that lock pairing um presumably Skelton can go up i don't know he's lifting 150 kilos a big boy maybe do he's lifting. doing more lifting yeah, so um, as long as the prop shoulders are still all A-OK, okay, okay, then I guess maybe he's going up. But, yeah, I mean, Skelton's an impact player as well. Um, I think they could run him off the bench, um, but they, they might have made some commitments. Who knows?
0: I think just the issue was last year that he came off the bench and didn't play many minutes and really didn't get a feel for the game. He didn't get into the flow at all. So with the World Cup next year, I think particularly Hamish McClellan, who's been seen in a lot of the celebration photos and stuff in the background, he's been around um, and, and pushing Rennie. I think to inject some of these guys that haven't had as much in the time in the starting Jersey, hence the Tate selection, I think. And I think um, is also why you'll see Skelton possibly paired with Nick Frost, who probably was arguably the player of the game for Australia yeah. against Scotland. Um you know, having Hannigan off the bench as a second row cover, I'm not really keen on that. I'd be happy if, if you know, even if you did put Frost back on the bench, I think Neville might drop to the bench as the tight headlock, and and Skelton may replace him, but we'll have to to wait and see.
1: And Frost sort of took over what that role that we've seen Matt Phillip in a lot of the time with that sort of first um, receiver Get forward hands. off the rock, with the then popping in and out. Um, which is much, much preferable. I feel like he's a lot sort of he's very good with his hands and probably and very quite slow in terms of yeah, picking people to give on to, which was probably highlighted most in the try we scored, which was Frost passing on to Neville and giving the short ball to slipper, which was a lovely little interplay there as well. Um Let's briefly touch on the All Blacks-Japan game before we look um, through to next week as well, because it was a tight one, 38-31 in the end. Um, Japan just going down here. Uh, It looked like it was going to be one-or-one-way traffic after three early All Blacks tries in that first half, but then two tries very late in the end of the first half kept the um, cherry blossoms in it, and they just kept challenging, and it was exactly more of what we've seen from Jamie Joseph's men, this sort of quick, um, very sort of quick, lively play, very happy to throw it out to get um, quick rock ball. And then now they add in a few sort of quite big men in terms of their forwards, which is solidifying a lot of their set piece. Um, So entertaining, absolutely. More entertaining, I would argue, than the um, Wallabies Scotland game here. Obviously a lot more points scored um, and probably just another um, reason why we should be trying to get japan into some sort of um competition yearly um before the northern hemisphere taken
2: yeah it's an exciting brand like they're, they're pushing to the edges hard across uh, laterally across the field they're counter-attacking off kicks more um i think more than some other teams who are putting a lot of ball back up off the boot um that offload for that try was fantastic like they dylan riley yeah. australian yeah surprise surprise Let that one get away um like all, all that, that that attitude um in these games it, it keeps them in it and you know a few things have to go their way like they're not always um at the same um sort of consistency with the unforced errors um they often sort of um err when trying to create all these opportunities but you know it's 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 um high stakes, high risk, high reward sort of stuff. And and the fact that they're challenging a, a mostly A-team all backs group, um, certainly no slouches in that 15, uh, is, is really encouraging.
0: Yeah, and I think there has to be some contingency in place if South Africa actually do go north into the, the six nations and say replace Italy in the coming years. We want to have some sort of expansion, I think, of the rugby championship. So if we do lose South Africa, you know, there will be a competition worth running. And that probably means that we need to be including Fiji at this point in time and we need to be including Japan because there's plenty of money flowing through that system. Um and we've seen the last few years in particular following the introduction of the Sun Wolves into Super Rugby, towards the end of that period, I think Japan really picked it up with the likes of Tony Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph they um leading the charge. I think it's um it's only a matter of time until it happens. It's just probably something that needs to be worked through with the clubs involved as well domestically in Japan. But I think next in line is probably the US ahead of, you know, if we look at the the World Cup going to the US in in what is it 2020 2031?
2: 2031 2029 Oh yeah, sorry, twenty yeah. twenty
0: one. Or well, maybe the women's one as well. But either way, I think it's um, yeah, it's definitely something we need to be looking at expanding our competition, um, because I think these teams now are proving that they are up to scratch. And I mean, Australia at number nine in the world can hardly Australia's number you
1: know, <laughs> six. We swapped with Scotland now. Scotland oh, okay, fair we're enough.
0: Yep.
2: one game direct
0: swap.
2: It's that close. It's,
0: it'll take some That's getting it. used to, I guess.
1: Number
2: six. Wow. I know New heights
1: seems, seems higher than we've been in years Feels
0: so good
2: <laughs> Good rebound Top six but Yeah, I think,
0: look Japan has to be in there I'd be yeah. doing it sooner rather than later
1: um, Jamie Joseph came out after this game And say the fear that teams have of the All Blacks Is, is gone now They don't have the quite the same fear anymore Which um, didn't Love sit well that. Which didn't sit that well with um, the All Blacks coaching staff It was quite interesting Seeing um, Fozzie um react to that what do you guys think
2: oh i'd just love to hear it by some like jamie joseph who's obviously kiwi so good come out and go with a coach called fozzy what is there to be scared of there's just like massive smackdown but it's true it's totally true that they've wavered enough times now that teams know that if you know you there's going to be bad days and you can catch them on their bad day you, you might just have them they didn't used to have bad days
0: yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we've seen throughout this year. And, you know, they've picked it up, say, in the last two or three games, you know, excluding this Japanese one where it was quite close but with slightly different personnel. Um, you I don't get it really back that unless you
2: pushed like two yeah, years it together, right? It takes a number of years. Yeah. 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 At it least. takes a long period of time. They have
1: to be absolutely dominant at the World Cup next year if, if they want to get that yeah. aura back, and- if they go and smack. France in the final by 20 points. That's going to be a statement, but it just doesn't feel like that's likely at this stage. Nope, not anymore.
0: They had a, they had a pretty golden decade. If you think about it, two World Cups. Yeah. You know, they haven't dropped the blood as low in 20 years. It's, um, you know, and also I think I think that actually the contributing factor was that almost leading into that 2019 World Cup where they're trying to squeeze in Bowden and, and Richie Moonger into the same team. I think that was almost that was the, the start era. of, you know, that that era of finishing. So, yeah. you know, it's going to take a long time for them to get back to what they were. I think it's good for World Rugby that there's more parity. And, um, you know, as we're seeing now, I think there are probably eight or nine teams there that on any given day, they can beat each other. And that's, that's only good for the, the growth of the game.
1: Well, that's right. So we have um, six games of sort of note of our tier one nations coming up this weekend. And I think it's probably a lot of these where either either team could really come up with a victory on every, any given day. So we have Scotland, Fiji, Italy, Samoa, Wales, All Blacks, Ireland, Springboks, France, Australia and England, Argentina coming up this weekend. So some pretty good matchups there. Um Boys, do you want to give your, just go for picks on on this one? Just just a straight out head to head, Scotland Fiji.
2: After last week, I think Scotland should should have the defense to to keep the Fijians out, and, and it's still showing attack.
1: Be yeah, Scotland at home. Yeah, 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 definitely. Italy Samoa.
2: Ooh. I'm going to say Italy. They've got to win some of these games they play. Samoa probably aren't playing as much rugby as them at the moment.
0: Yeah, this is really tough. I think, again, if it was being played in Samoa, which, you know, (laughs) that rarely happens against a team like Italy, I think that might be a different story. I think Italy will probably be slightly too strong
1: for them. Wales, All Blacks.
2: Got to be All Blacks. Yeah, I think there'll be
0: a bit of a bounce back performance here. You know, given those comments that have come out, I think this is when you see a bit of an all blacks reaction. And Wales, it's kind of hard to know what, exactly what you're going to get at the yeah. moment. Um, they could easily get pasted by 30 here, I think.
1: What about this one, Ireland Spring Box? This is probably it's
2: a huge matchup. Yeah. Uh, looking at the team the Springboks have picked. They've got like Cheslin Colby at fullback. They've mm-hmm. made a few changes. Um, I'm I'm going to go Ireland.
1: Mm.
0: And this also the have you top. seen the mean, game, of, game of the weekend?
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a potential world cup final Um, next year's final matchup. It's, you know, just leaving France out of it and England like, and us and, all boxes is two yeah. of the top Look, six.
0: I think, given you don't have Andre Pollard, there's no Lukanyo. I, I think I'm going to take Ireland. I think there's a couple of key guys that are missing. Yeah, not a Creel's huge not of Damien stuff. yeah, Creel's kind of a bit past it. I think similar to kind of the Little Loo. You know, it's happy you're happy to have Creel coming off the bench, but I think starting. Not not quite happy with that. I think Ireland at home should get it done narrowly.
2: France, Australia. Wallabies. Wow.
1: That was was confident. mm,
2: Without hesitation.
1: Absolutely.
0: France are heavily favoured. I don't think Australia are good enough to win this, but they may have one of those games. Where they just everything goes right for them, um, but at the moment, what is it? Hit and miss, hit and miss almost. So we do a miss, maybe. You know, this year's been very much a roller coaster. I think it's going to continue.
1: I think the main thing we want to see is a competitive game, right? We can't we can't let ourselves be sort of blown out, especially knowing that this is going to be um, the environment that we're gumming into next year in the World Cup. Um, so, so we based experience. ourselves in
2: France for this whole tour, so we're flying in and out of yeah. other, yeah. a, and out. So we've obviously this is a bit of a yeah, like I said, and we're basing
1: ourselves where we're going to be next year,
2: yeah, yeah. So it's, exactly it's
1: good,
0: smart. I think Skelton really is our trump card in this. He has the potential, I think, to really flip the game in our favour, depending on his fitness. I guess you know they've they've had a full preseason. You'd hope he's firing on all cylinders um i think our back line can match it with with france mm-hmm. it's just really? whether the forwards can can be physical enough um and really yeah just keep their heads because i think the france are good, the french team are really gonna aggravate us and look look to kind of get those cards going so i think yeah we just need to keep our heads
2: I really like some of our fresh forwards, like guys like Frost, even like Jed and Caden Neville. Like they're not; those guys aren't young, but they're fresh, and and I like that mix. That they're not going to be too scarred from from the past, um, containing that French back row and our sort of dynamic and. Um, how much running game they add is is a big factor. I, I don't think we're any chance of a big 20 minutes at the start. I think this is probably going to be a grind for us. And it's a discipline, it's a disciplined grind is gonna to need to be the game plan. I'm I'm worried that if we try and chance a hand too widely, the, the French will just pounce. And if and when things stop going our way, they will very quickly run away with it. Yeah. I...
1: Definitely agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the some of my faves from their tour last year um, down under the likes of Denver, Denver Bamba and Big Prop and Cameron Wolke. Oh, some great names in that French team. But, yeah, he put that in, um, put that along with um, hopefully seeing some of their star-studded sort of backline 9-10 combos um, there and Entomac and a few names that we didn't see last year um, in terms of him and DuPont hopefully up against the Wallabies too.
2: And get around it. It's at 6.40 a.m. That's uh, that's the best time we've had for one of these games in ages. Yeah. Sunday Seven, morning. 7 a.m.
1: kickoff on a Sunday. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the, and the final. Off, we
0: haven't, I was just going to say, we haven't played them in Europe since 2016. Insane, hey? Yeah. It's a long stretch. So... It's kind of like All Blacks England, right? It doesn't happen as often as it should. Um, yeah, obviously, we had that three-game series against their kind of B team, but seeing those big names there would be, you know, it's going to be awesome. Absolutely.
1: will be entertaining. As you pointed out, Leo, a great way to start off the Sunday. And then following that, we do have um, England-Argentina um, ending up being on Monday morning for all of us um, and the wee hours there. Um, picks for that.
2: Oh, this would be England comfortably. I don't give the Argentinians much chance.
1: Remember, they went into New Zealand and beat the All Blacks this year.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think Checker's is gonna. I think take Argentina
0: England. can do it.
1: I'm picking Argentina.
2: Eddie Jones versus Checker. Oh, like don't, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see it.
1: This is like classic trap game. Like the English underestimating Argentina and then them <laughs> doing something crazy. I'd, I'd I wouldn't. Put my house on the fact that Argentina would take this, but I definitely put money on them giving England a scare in this one. I
2: wonder what, wonder mm. what handicap they're getting. I reckon it's more than thirteen think, handicap.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I looked at it before.
2: The bookmakers would have was... to be disrespecting them because they did play pretty. You know, they they finished out the rugby championship not well. I yeah, think it was closer to twenty.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like you might be take, worth fluttering on that. Take, then. Yeah, take the Pumas um with the margin. And I think you'd be in a good spot there. Um, let's duck over back to New Zealand and keep up with what's going on in the uh women's rugby world cup. We had the quarterfinals results on the weekend, France taking down Italy 39-3. Um the Silver Ferns, sorry, the Black Ferns um taking down Wales 55, three 3 England taking down Australia 41-5, Canada taking down USA 32-11. Some dominant displays from obviously the top four teams all making it through, um, which means we are now left with uh England facing Canada um to get through and France facing New Zealand. Um, I don't think anyone's doubting that England won't make it through to the final here. but France have the opportunity to try and uh, match it with the Black Ferns and spoil their um, home World Cup here, which will probably be the more competitive of the two. Um, but some good results to, to see leading up to um, what I hope it will probably be um, an England v um, Black Ferns final come Eden Park in two weeks.
2: Yeah, shame for our girls couldn't couldn't take on England, but we knew that was going to be a, a steep ass. So, good tournament for them. Some good good halves of rugby, probably not a good eighty minutes for the against the better teams.
0: You're getting along to the final arch.
1: Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to make the trip, Jack, down to Auckland for that one. Um, though I would love to. I think that would be an absolute um, and a great spectacle to see, and I'm sure. Eden Park's going to be packed out um, for that weekend. The only other news that we've had brought up um, is the idea that it gets floated around every couple of years, I feel like, about an Anzac team, an Australia-New Zealand combined team um, playing off against someone They've picked the British and Irish Lions, and there is a vague plan to potentially make this happen in 2025. Um, first off, boys, do you, do you actually believe this is going to happen? Well,
2: it it could happen but it's it's more how does it happen because obviously it's a it's a tour against the wallabies the wallabies aren't going to give up any significant players to to a, to a squad to prepare for that game so and and then there'll be some sort of requirement so- like they'll basically want to split it 50-50 yeah. right so so who we who exactly would the would the australians give up for that for that game and and by virtue of the quality of what's left and then, you know, half-half Wallabies New Zealand group, you know, it's great, but it would hardly be like the ultimate because you're just never going to see Hooper with Moanga and Isaac. Or or Bro- Brodie Retallick with Frost or whatever. Like it's just, you know, it's not going to be first-string guys really, is it?
1: So that doesn't sound like you think it's going to happen. Know.
2: That makes me, it's a, I, think I think it's a novelty tar- and it could be ex- interesting, but I think it's still going to come off as like a, a bit game, and it's it's not the, the glorious Anzac-type team people might first think.
0: I think the timing of it isn't great because I think, like Leah's saying, it can, if it was done to full strength, it has the potential to undermine the Test Series against Australia. Um,
1: what if you did it as the, the end, end of the we... three-match Test Series? That's yeah, the yeah, and then you get... Like Do you a think the Irish thing Lions have the like...
2: stamina for it? It's kind of like, meh, we're still on tour for this extra game Possibly that means not. nothing.
1: I know the novelty yeah. might be I mean... that people want to play. Also,
0: should it be a, a, a Sansa sort of team versus British and Irish Lions? Yeah, you know what I reckon Zachary. would be better?
2: If, if instead, at, the, at this time in 2024 when the British and Irish Lions squad was sort of starting to kind of coalesce people, you know, pre-Six Nations, you could have like a Southern Barbarians type game and yeah. you play what, like, a, like a too between. early... Yeah. Well, no, 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 2024, so the year before the Lions go on tour. So it's their first chance to pick right. like a, a squad of whatever and prepare and then yeah. after the Australian and New yeah. Zealand teams play their Northern Tour... You keep some guys around like you would for a barbarians yeah. and play it out that way. That's, I think that makes more sense.
1: And you do it, and then yeah, you do you that, and you do it in like America or something as a prelude to the yeah. World Cup. Or oh,
2: yeah. Or, yeah. or just tweak them. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause it,
0: <laughs> you can't, you can't obviously do World it field. in the two years, every two years, kind of the two years before because it's World Cup. World year. Cup. So, like, I you're think saying that the, makes
2: sense. Yeah. And it could be a Sansar one, but by then we might not be friends with the South Africans anymore. So. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, they'd probably be It'll trying be to get, get dice, into the yeah. British and Irish lines at that point.
2: But the Southern Barbarians, <laughs> where it's like all people picked from like touring teams, because how many teams tour the Northern Hemisphere at this time every year?
1: Why it's all the rugby stick-
2: championship teams, right? Yeah. Plus some Islanders, not usually Japan. So it's still pretty much Southern and Pacific.
1: Yeah. Interesting. We'll That's, obviously have yeah. to keep an eye and see how that progresses, but I, I agree. there might be a bit of um, finagling to try and make that a more enticing prospect than potentially what it is at the moment. Um, boys, we might leave it there for another week of the pod. Thank everyone for coming and tuning in and make sure you are following us on Instagram and at, on Twitter at running rugby podcast and at running rugby pod and liking and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts as well. Um, another big game for the Wallabies and a big game um, for the All Blacks as well as Ireland Springboks this weekend. So lots and lots to consume. As always, you can catch it all on Sport live and on replay. Not a sponsor, but do love what those boys are doing anyway. Um, from all of us here at the Running Rugby podcast, thanks for tuning in once more and, as always, keep on running.
2: Run.